Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, praise the Lord, Renewal Church. Thank you so much for the invitation you've extended to me right, way out in California to come and preach the gospel to you uh, this week. And I give God praise from whom all blessings flow and thankful for the technology God has given us in this season that uh, churches and communities from across the country can still connect through the word together. Big shout out uh, to my partner, uh, Pastor Derek Puckett, his beautiful bride, Kaylee. We love you guys and we miss you so much. Kiss those five babies for us. We just want you to know that while we were in Chicago, we just loved being a part of Renewal Church, getting started and getting sprouted and getting planted and getting rooted. What a joyous time it was to serve with you, brother. And it has been even more fun to be out here in Southern California to just root for you guys from the sidelines to see all that God has done over these several years for the Renewal Church vision. Our hearts are overjoyed. We just love your pastor, Renewal Church, and we love your pastor's wife. And to all the leaders there, thank you. We just love what you're doing. Keep on keeping on for the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I got a lot of fish to fry. I ain't got but a few minutes to cook it. So if you have your Bibles, meet me in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. I know some of you come back to online church and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of this pandemic and everything that comes with it. And Lord, is there anything to be thankful for? Well, I I'm in Indian Wells, California. I'm in the Coachella Valley, which is a desert. Today, it's going to be 115 degrees. My point is this, you got much to be thankful for. But as we turn our hearts attention to the book of Daniel, we, we also have a God who sees us when we're going through the pressure in our lives. That's what I wanna talk to you about today, how God is the God of peacetime and wartime. He's the God when I have financial pros prosperity, he's the God when I'm broke. He's, he's the God when I'm up, he's the God when I'm down and can use every circumstance I'm in, including a pandemic, to use me to bring glory to his name and peace to my life. When we talk about Daniel in this episode that we call the lion's den, I think that's the big idea that God helps us to get through the pressure of our lives. I want to talk to you about pressure. Pressure. It's no season in a pandemic uh, that it's brought along with it. It's considerable amounts of pressure. I mean, everything in our lives got harder for the last five months, right? Um, our, our future and how we see our future. It got tougher. There's more pressure there. Our, our parenting, there's more pressure there. Our, our finances, there's more, there's more pressure there, right? Uh, government, there's more pressure there, right? At the end of the day, we're all working way harder than what we were just a few months ago to get even less out of it. And that causes undue amounts of pressure. But here's the good news of the gospel. We're going to see in Daniel's episode of the lion's den, he's trapped in a cave with uh, uh, Simba and Mufasa in them, right? And you thought you were going through some stuff. But we're going to see how God was with him in his moment of pressure. It's a reminder that he'll be with you and I in our moment of pressure as well. Daniel chapter 6, pick me up about verse 21. Daniel here, the prophet, is in a faraway territory. He's got a position of influence, but his rivals have betrayed him and usurped his influence and 
has landed him trapped inside of a lion's den. But we're going to see how God knows what to do when we are under pressure. Uh, The king is now coming to Daniel here as we pick up in the middle of chapter six to see if he has indeed survived the storm. And in chapter six, verse 21, look at Daniel's report. He says, then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because watch this now renewal. He had trusted in his God. And the king commanded those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Verse 25 says, then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, uh, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Here now renewal, the edicts of a pagan king, for he is the living God enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. Daniel chapter six, verses 21 through 28. Renewal, I've read from the greatest book ever written. And I bear witness to you this day that all of its words are true. Amen. Amen. If an oyster were preaching this message to you, that oyster would tell you that there can be no pearl without some pressure. (laughs) If an oyster were preaching this message to you, that oyster would say to you, Renewal, there can be no pearl without some pressure. Uh, Any elementary science school student will tell you uh, that at all times your average oyster beneath the ocean is constantly confronted with the problem of sand. Uh, He is constantly uh, confronted with the problem of sand. At all times oysters are working furiously to protect themselves from sand. But science tells us that every now and then, a tiny grain of sand will slip through the cracks, invade its interior, and cause unbelievable amounts of pressure. Every every now and then, a tiny grain of sand will, will slip through the cracks, invade its interior, and cause unbelievable amounts of pressure. This pressure for the oyster is painful. It is excruciating. It is unbearable. And so the oyster will work double time to try to remove the sand. But attempt after attempt usually proves fruitless. And so eventually the oyster realizes that since he cannot remove the sand, he must figure out how to deal with the sand. Since he cannot remove the pressure, he must figure out how to deal with the pressure. 
And science tells us that what happens is that this oyster isolates that little tiny grain of sand and methodically he begins to secrete over that grain of sand a, a, a fluid. And he does this over and over again and uh, the years pass and then something called uh, calcification happens. And at the end of the process, whereas before there was this exorbitant amount of pressure, it is now replaced with a precious and pristine pearl. I guess the lesson is this. All a pearl is, is the fruit of an oyster under pressure. As we come to our text today, Renewal Church, that's, that's the idea. At the end of the day, we have here a prophet, not an oyster, who is under pressure himself. It's called the lion's den. And what we're going to see is that Daniel, like all of us, uh, will try to figure out a way as to whether or not there's an opportunity to remove the lion's den. But since he knows he cannot remove the lion's den, he figures out how to deal with the lion's den. And in so doing, he gifts to you and I, believers of Jesus Christ, a wonderful what to do list when God entrusts our lives to seasons of pressure for ourselves. What I want to do is walk through a very famous passage and in so doing, lift up distinctives as to what God is looking for out of us when he entrusts to us seasons of pressure. It's exactly what I think Daniel would say to Renewal Church today. Here we go, table of contents for our time together. Daniel would say, when you're under pressure, three things. Don't forget about the fruit. Don't forget about the faithfulness. And thirdly and finally, don't forget about the Father. I'd like to tag this text, what to do under pressure. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you, God, that you're at work in the world. And I thank you that discipleship and Lord God, leaning into the word and praying to Jesus and enjoying worship, Lord God, with our brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm so grateful, Lord God, that the gospel is pandemic proof. So now, great God, great living God, breathe into us the breath of life. Meet us in our living rooms and around our kitchen tables and driving along in our cars or maybe taking a run, Lord God, and anoint these airwaves in such a way, Lord God, that gospel transformation and relief and hope and victory will be established in our hearts. God, you are the great God and do great things even in our pressure. For we ask it in Jesus' name, every heart said, amen. Uh, let's go ahead and get to work. We're going to go to the classroom for a few minutes. I promise we're going to church. Uh, but as we come to Daniel chapter 6, uh, there would be, be one thing that I think Daniel would have us know concerning pressure. A lot of us are going through pressure. Parenting is harder. Finances are harder. Jobs are harder. Some of us are out of work. Uh, there's political calamity in Washington, D.C. There are all sorts of ups and downs. Our futures are, seem to be somewhat uncertain. A lot of us are going through pressure, which brings us to the first thing that I think that Daniel would have to say to us concerning seasons of pressure. Uh, now, Renewal, this is going to be the most profound, most scholarly moment of the sermon, so I hope you're writing this down. Concerning Concerning pressure, I think what Daniel would have to say to us is this. Here it is. Pressure happens. Pressure just happens. I think what Daniel would say to us is that at the end of the day, faith in Jesus Christ has not given me a guarantee to not have problems in my life. 
Faith in Jesus Christ has given me a guarantee that when problems do come in my life, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus will never leave me nor forsake me, but that he'll walk with me through the storm every step of the way. How many of you know that sometimes the providence of God and the will of God is not his will for me to get out of the storm, but for his spirit to accompany me whilst riding through the storm? And so in one breath, Daniel would say to us, wake up, church, pressure just kind of happens. But the good news is that when pressure does happen, God has made a promise that he will be with you. And I say that because as we tiptoe towards the text, that is the idea. If you're a Bible reader, kind of trekking along through the book of Daniel and you get to chapter 6, you can't help but be taken aback by the mundanity of the scene, okay? Uh, he's in this faraway territory. He's under captivity, yet he has gained considerable influence in the kingdom as this Jewish God-fearing man. By the time we get to chapter 6, Daniel is now 83 years of age. Translation, he ain't no spring chicken, but here he is in another episode with people that do not believe God. Another issue where rival colleagues have betrayed him and set him up to get in trouble. Another pagan, absent-minded king. But I want you to see in Daniel chapter 6, Renewal Church, what you do not see. What you do not see is Daniel getting in another pressure-packed episode and begging the question, why? He's not investing a lot of time, okay, saying, God, why me? Why the pressure? Why the lion's den? Why this again? Nothing wrong with the why question. In fact, God encourages you to ask it. I want you to see Daniel refusing to waste a lot of time with a fruitless pursuit because he seems to understand that pressure happens. And so that lesson and the idea that I think we need to embrace when God first introduces pressure to our lives is not to invest too much time begging the question why, but to rather invest a lot of time begging the question what? What God do you have for me to learn? What God are you trying to show me about yourself? What God do you want to produce in my soul in this moment of pressure? What God are you trying to do in the lives of others through the pressure you've entrusted into my life? And if Daniel were here, he would say the first answer to his what God do you want out of me was this lesson of never forgetting the fruit. Don't forget about the fruit. In other words, yes, Daniel had to go through pressure. Yes, he had to go through the lion's den. Yes, he was not treated well. Yes, he was usurped. Yes, they stabbed him in the back and everything else that goes with the pressure that comes in our life. But what I want you to see is that at the end of, of Daniel's pressure-packed predicament that God bared much fruit to the glory of his name. Fruit is just a biblical term that means that he used his life to bring fame and glory and honor to the name of of God. Ah, I wish you could say man right there that God always has a plan and a purpose for your pressure. Ah, now I'm going to go ahead and get comfortable and act like a black preacher from Mississippi and say somebody should have said amen right there, that there's always a plan. There's always a purpose for all the pressure that God entrusts to your life. That's what Daniel would say. I had to go through the lines then, but there was fruit in it. There was worth in it. God wasn't just picking on me. God was doing something to use my pressure to make his name more famous. When you reverse engineer the text, you see it. 
Verses 26 through 28, this pagan king who we think was entrusted with a couple of million souls, biggest empire in the history of the world to date. But he sees God deliver Daniel from the lion's den, and he is now convinced that that must be the one true God. And he sets law in the kingdom that says, hey, guys, I found out that there's a real God somewhere. You got to worship him from now. And could it be that God sent pressure your way? to get people who wasn't paying attention to your faith are now going to pay attention to your faith as they see your head lifted in the midst of the storm and they're finally going to witness and understand that Jesus really is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do. There is fruit. You see, Daniel rightly understood renewal. That at the end of the day, believer, your job description is to give glory and honor to Jesus Christ. That in everything you do, everything you say, every move you make, God has put you here to make his name famous. In the constellation and solar system that is your life, believer, I have come to remind you that your job description is to give God glory. And the solar system that is your life, you are not the sun at the center with God being one of the proverbial planets revolving around you. Ah, but I've come to tell you that Daniel would say that the sun in the middle is the sun, the S-U-N, the S-O-N of God. He's in the middle and you are one of the planets revolving around him. Daniel understood that pressure means that God loves me enough to send me through something to use me to make sure that that sun's light is exposed in all the earth. Your job is to make Jesus look good. God didn't put you here to make you look good. God put you here that you might live in such a way to make him look good. But we see that there's a purpose for that. And here's the good news of that. Even though God is going to use your pressure to make him famous, God has promised to use your pressure to make you strong. That's the deal that God makes. God says, you give me glory, I'll bring you peace and I'll make you strong in your life. James chapter 1 Verse two says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God says, if I'm gonna use your pressure to make me famous, I'm gonna use your pressure to make you strong. December 29th, 1987, uh, Russian cosmonauts flew a long mission into space. In fact, they were in space some 326 days. And when they returned safely back to Earth and revealed themselves, astronomers and scientists were absolutely flabbergasted to see that these ast- the astronomers were still in perfect health. Uh, no sickness, no illness, no muscle atrophy. And any astronomer will tell you that this is uncommon because to spend that much time in space, it usually renders you not healthy, but unhealthy, not strong, but weak. Why? You're in weightlessness the whole time. Your muscles are not working. Your immune system is not being challenged. And so typically astronauts come back rather unhealthy, but yet these cosmonauts came back perfectly strong. The question is why? Uh, history tells us that they wore these specific, specifically designed spacesuits that had uh, interlaced at every nook and cranny these tight, resistant rubber bands, which means that even when they were in weightlessness, their muscles still had to work against resistance the entire time. And because they had to work against resistance, their muscles remained strong and they stayed healthy. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? It's the idea that when God allows you to go through pressure, He's not mad at you. He's invested in you. Don't forget about the fruit. But secondly, around in second base, Daniel will say, don't forget about the faithfulness. 
This is important. Don't forget about the faithfulness. Have you ever gone through drama in your life and you, you say amen, right? You ever gone through drama and it, for whatever reason, it just seems like the drama is still here? And you're kind of like, God, it's, it's, I, Lord, this is just kind of overdue. This should have, I should have been delivered, okay, a couple of months ago. What's going on? Uh, have you ever s- felt like the season you're going through is just wearing on? A lot of us feel like this now in this pandemic season. Lord, I ain't trying to educate my kids on this iPad Jesus, that's an iPad devil, Lord Jesus. You need to open up these schools. Lord Jesus, what's going on in Washington, D.C.? I need you to fix that. Lord Jesus, what's going on with my job? And sometimes you'll stay in the pressure so long and you finally get to this place where you finally say, God, okay, what's up? Because whatever you need me to do, whatever you need me to learn, I'm ready to do it because I'm ready to get out of this storm. You know what the answer from heaven would be? What God wants you to do in your pressure? He wants you to be faithful. He he wants you to be faithful. What is God looking for out of me when I'm in pressure? God wants me to be faithful. Um, Now is not the time to be unfaithful. Did you hear that? Now in pressure is not the time to be unfaithful. Parenthetically, it's never a time to be unfaithful, but certainly not when we are mispressure in our lives, okay? And I say that, believer, because sometimes you think that undue pressure in your life gives you a license to act any kind of way. Can I get an amen right there? You think that because you're under this pressure, because you're under this stress, okay, because it's under this duress, if there's somebody causing you heat in your life, for some reason you think pressure gives you a pass on being holy, and you put that Bible down and pick up some choice words real quick. Can I get an amen right there? But God says, I want you to show up well for me in this season of pressure that I've entrusted to your life. I want you to be faithful. Why? Because I've learned that when I'm in peacetime, Jesus is interesting to my friends. But when I'm in wartime, he's downright attractive. So God wants me to be faithful to present him well, not just when I'm going through and the Cadillac car note is paid and the kids are acting like they got some sense instead of acting like uncircumcised Philistines and my marriage is working out right. Not just to talk about Jesus then, because when you talk about Jesus just in times of peace, your friends and your coworkers give Jesus a golf clap. Oh, that's interesting. You love Jesus. Way to go. That's great. Good for y'all, right? But when you're still praising God and still faithful to God and still witnessing for God in times of a pandemic where there's pain and and pressure and problems, Jesus turns from being interesting to downright attractive. People want that kind of hope and they're not going to get unless you're faithful. So Daniel says faithful. How faithful was Daniel? He was so faithful to God that the only way that his rivals could have tricked him into getting punished was to make his faithfulness to God illegal. Verses five, they say the only way we're going to get this guy is if we make his faith illegal. He's so faithful. He prays every day. He gets in God's word. He loves God. He lives for God. The only way we'll get this guy out of our hair is to make his faith illegal because we realize he's going to love God and live for God, whether it's a good season or a bad season. Are you smelling what I'm stepping in? In verse 10, the Bible says that when they made his faith illegal, what did, what did Daniel do? He prayed to God, just like he had always done. Translation, whether Daniel was in his faith was legal or illegal, he was going to worship God. Whether he was in a lion's den or the uh, buffet line at the carnival cruise, he was going to worship God. That's what we mean by faithfulness. Whether or not you're in pandemic or in prosperity, God says, be the same worshiper of my name. Anybody hearing me today? Don't forget about the faithfulness. Now, faithfulness has everything to do with your concept of integrity. These two ideas are inextricably 
uh, connected faithfulness. You're only going to be good at faithfulness if you understand what integrity is. Now, word study. Integrity comes from the root word integer. Integer, mathematical nerds, is the idea of a whole number as opposed to a fraction of a number. Integrity, integer, is the idea of a whole number as opposed to a fraction of a number. Here's the lesson. Integrity and faithfulness, biblically speaking, means that you have signed up to be your whole self instead of a fraction of yourself. You're going to be your whole faithful self, whether it's peacetime or wartime, whether it's uptowns, times or downtimes. You're going to be your whole self. Can I go further? Uh, faithfulness then means that the same Christian you are in peacetime will be the same Christian you are in wartime. Can I go a little further? Uh, faithfulness means that the same Christian you are when all of us are looking will be the same Christian you are when no one's around. Can I go further? Faithfulness means, husbands, you'll be the same husband you are when your wife is home as you'll be when your wife is out of town. Can I go further? <laughs> Faithfulness means the same employee you are when your boss is looking over your shoulder is the same employee you'll be when your boss is away on vacation. It means no matter what the situation, you'll be the same faithful believer. Remember when we had real TV back in the day? Some of you, some of you don't understand this. I, I, may, I may lose the Z generation and some of you millennials. I'll come back and get you in five minutes. But I come from an era where we had something called real TV. Can I get a before Disney Plus, before Roku, uh, before, you know, Hulu witness out there? I'm talking about the 1980s when you had to watch TV when the TV said the program was on. It wasn't no on demand. You better get on the couch in time to watch the program. I'm talking about you didn't have no DVR. You better sit down and watch Knott's Landing at the right moment or else you're going to miss it. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. But real TV, 1980s, there's a cop show called Hill Street Blues. Hill Street Blues, famous cop show, Frank Ferrillo, hard-nosed cop, you know, straight lace cop, no nonsense kind of guy. But this episode goes that his wife finally gets him off duty, fi finally gets him a day off. He takes off the dress blues. He's got on his, his straight lace suit. They go out on a date. She's so excited. I got Frank outside on a date. I'm so excited. And they go to this cocktail lounge, having some drinks, having a good time, listening to some music. She's just so excited. She got Frank away. They're having a good time. And this drug dealer unknowingly approaches Frank for a deal. His wife is looking at him so as to say, don't you dare do what you are about to do. And he looks back at her and she looks back at him and he looks back at her. She looks back at him and he finally takes a deep breath and he pulls out his handcuffs. Parenthetically, Frank, what in the, what in the world are you doing with handcuffs at a cocktail lounge? What, what is that? Is some freaky? Anyway, anyway, he pulls out his handcuffs, starts to book the guy. His wife is frustrated at him. She's going off on him saying, you just don't know how to take a day off, do you? To which he replies, I guess I'm just a driven kind of guy. But what was he really communicating to us? He was saying whether or not my uniform is off or my uniform is on. I'm going to be the kind of police officer who's going to be on duty. I think that's a message to the believer that whether or not there's a platform are not a platform, whether I'm in peacetime or wartime, whether I'm in a lion's den or free as a lark, I'm going to be faithful to my God.
Don't forget about the faithfulness. Let's go home on this one. Uh, don't forget about the Father. Okay, this is the idea of praise. This idea of exaltation. This idea of giving credit to whom credit is due. Now, I just want to say this here. God got Daniel out of the lion's den. And I don't, I don't know who needs to hear this, uh, but somebody just needed to hear me remind you that the God we serve, hallelujah, to his great name is a wonder working God. Hallelujah. He is the God who stepped out on nothing and created the entire cosmos. He is the God who created the world just with a spoken word. Let there be light and the sun and the moon and the stars and lions, tigers, bears. And you say, oh my, granddaddy used to say it this way. How else can you have a black cow eat green grass and put out white milk? There must be a God somewhere. He is the God that did that. My God is the God who just blowed his breath, blew his breath on the Red Sea and the children of Israel walked on dry land. My God is the God who had Israel marched around Jericho's walls seven times and seven foot walls came tumbling down. My God, hallelujah, is the God who made the lame walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And my God is the God who hung Jesus on a cross and he died the death all day Friday, nothing, all day Saturday. Oh, but my preacher used to say, early Sunday morning. Woo! Jesus got up with all power in his hands. Let me tell you something, Renewal. God ain't done getting stuff up. <laughs> Let me calm down because I done messed up and got happy. But somebody needs to hear this, that God's not done doing miracles. God's bigger than pandemics. God's bigger than COVID-19. God's bigger than layoffs. God's bigger than confusion in Washington, D.C. God's bigger than police brutality. God's big, bigger than injustices. God's bigger than racism. And I've come to remind you that he is the God that you can expect to move in our lives. He does it right here for Daniel, okay? In fact, Daniel testifies to the king, you know, that I was found blameless before him, so the lions did not harm me. You see, the old preacher used to say that lions are flesh-eating animals. That's why Daniel made it. Ah, you didn't get it. Some of you won't get it till you're on your way home. Wait a minute, you already at home. Because Daniel was full of God's spirit. There was no flesh in him that the lions would desire. When you walk in the spirit and your pressure, you will not be consumed. But all I want you to see is that when it was time to report back how he got out of it, Daniel said, my God, shut the lion's mouths. What's the lesson? It's something about pressure that takes arrogance away. It's something about pain and problems and pressure that takes any iota of confidence in you out and puts every seed of dependence back where it belongs on God's capable shoulders. What you don't see is Daniel saying, well, King, I just navigated the vicissitudes of this cave. I just figured mathematically, as long as I stay on that side of the cave versus the where Semba and Mufasa are, I should be able to weather this storm. I just prayed about it and thought about it, and I came up with this wonderful. No, he knows that the only way he could have got out of a lion's den was God. And so when he was asked, how did he do it? He said, my God, shut the lion's mouths. Do you get the lesson? He gave God praise. He did not forget about the father. That's the lesson, that as we ride through this storm, we'll give all the credit to God who's sustaining us. And when we get out of it and when the world says, Christian church, you don't seem harmed. Christian church, you seem stronger. Christian church, you seem even more committed. 
Christian church, your numbers grew. How'd you do it? Let it be us who didn't say, well, we just started to blog and then we started to just kind of figure out this online. No, we say our God shut the pandemic's mouth. Woo! Amen, somebody. Give God all the praise. Now, some of you are already saying, oh, Ricky, I give God praise. I, I contemplate this and I meditate on, on God. No, 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 no. The principle here is that Daniel didn't thank God privately in his heart. He thanked God publicly with his mouth. Did you hear me? Publicly with his mouth. Daniel didn't contemplate on God's praise. He opened up his mouth and uttered God's praises. Now, some of you are already saying, oh, Ricky, that's different because, you know, you seem to be somewhat Pentecostal. I don't even know theologically where you're at. And, and Ricky, I don't know. You seem like the exuberant type and you like to wave your hands and shout and all this kind of stuff. That's just not me. Your testimony betrays your theology. <laughs> You see, theology is not what's believed, it's what's expressed, because whatever you express is what's believed. And here's your problem, Renewal. I have seen you at Chicago Bulls games. I have seen you at Blackhawks games. I have seen you at Bears games, although you don't get to root and shout for them that much. I've seen you there when they are successful, and your theology of praise at a game betrays your testimony on a sermon. Because when, when the bulls do something right, I've seen you stand up on your feet, spill your popcorn, spill your beer. I mean, spill your Coke and wave your hands and open up your mouth to give people that praise. When that superstar came down and did the killer crossover around the back layup, you didn't just contemplate and say, I just love to think that athletic prowess privately in my heart. No, you opened up your mouth and gave that player praise. God says in this season, church. Are you in pressure? Open up your mouth and give me my praise. Let the world know who your hope is. And here's a lesson. Don't let nothing stop you from praising God. Uh, stories told of an old black church mother in Florida, 1950s, deep south. And of course, segregation was the norm in those days, a lot of racial tension. And uh, this old black mother uh, decided that she would attempt her own integration experiment led of the Holy Ghost. She decided on this Sunday morning not to go to her regular black church on that side of the tracks, but to go across the tracks to the white church. She came from a charismatic tradition where they believed in waving their hands and, and shouting amen and dancing every now and then. She decided to leave her charismatic tradition and go across the street to the Presbyterian white church, okay? She came from a charismatic tradition. They were the frozen chosen. She comes on to the church, they welcome her, and everything's called pathetic, and they sit her down, she's enjoying worship. Well, they had invited this old school gospel preacher that day. Southern gentility in his voice, and he's up there preaching the gospel, and he says those thunderous words, Jesus died for our sins. That old black mother looked around and heard that truth and said, yes, he did. The ushers came to the woman and said, ma'am, we don't talk like that in this church. We don't shout in here. We don't do that, ma'am. You're gonna have to stay quiet. And she said, but I didn't got my religion. They said, yes, ma'am, but you didn't get it here. We need you to quiet it down. She said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I quiet it down, I quiet it down. They go back to their post, they get back on with church service and, and that old Southern preacher is up there preaching and he says, and Jesus died on the cross. And old mother looked around and heard that truth and said, yes, he did. Those ushers came, ma'am, you can't do this. We don't talk like that 
in this church. We don't do this. You're going to have to be quiet. And if it happens again, ma'am, we're going to carry you out of here. She says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It won't happen no more. It won't happen no more. Well, a few minutes pass. By this time, that old preacher's wound up. <laughs> and he starts putting Jesus on the cross and taking him off of it. That old preacher wound up and said, an early Sunday morning. That old mother couldn't hold it. She jumped up out of her seat, started jumping up and down, saying, he got up. He got up with all power in his hands. And those two big old burly ushers came up to that mother. They carried her out on either side, walking her down the center aisle. The whole time this mother was just screaming, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. The usher said, well, ma'am, why in the world are you praising now? They said, well, Jesus, they carried him in on one donkey. They taken me out on two. Praise the Lord. Don't let nothing stop you from praising your father. Don't forget about the fruit. Don't forget about the faithfulness. Don't forget about the Father. We're going to make it. You're going to get through it. God sees your marriage. God sees your kids. God sees your singleness. God sees your hurt. God sees your past. But he also sees your future. And he will bring you through the pressure. In Jesus' name, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon each and every one of you and bring you peace. For this blessing we ask in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.